Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call for these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Front Lines social media broadcast, equipping, encouraging, and empowering you as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. So as always, thank you for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. Our topic for this week's show is following God into revival. We're going to shift some perspectives on things about where we are in our country and maybe even where you are in your own life and walk with God to help you understand you are perfectly positioned to follow God step by step into a great revival, a personal revival for you, but also a revival for our nation and this world that is in desperate, desperate need of a great move of God. But before we get into that, a couple quick announcements. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for all of you who are reaching out regularly, some of you almost daily, asking for updates about uh, Yuri and me as we go through this journey of seeing her completely, totally overcome cancer. Can't thank you enough for your prayers. Can't thank you enough for your friendship and kindness and graciousness in reaching out, in holding us in your hearts and in communicating your love to us and your faith uh, that you're bringing alongside of ours. If I haven't had a chance to personally respond to you, please know it's not because we haven't seen your messages or heard your messages or read your messages. It's simply because um, we're, we're at this point, we're so busy and there's so much going on. I'm not able to personally respond to all of them. But that's also why I try to give at least a bit of an update each week here on Heroes Arise when I can. Um, we are in this journey. It is an up and down journey. There are some days that are very challenging and other days that are, are easier than others. But I tell you what, we feel your prayers. We're grateful for your prayers. In many ways, we know we are being carried by your prayers. It is a journey not only to see her come into the fullness of health and healing that is hers in Christ. But we are believing for a realm to be established for all of us that we are going to see things like cancer bow at the name of Jesus, bow at a word, bow at one prayer. I tell you what, there's always blessings in the battle and you cannot help but establish a realm of eternal truth in your life and in the earth when you are given the opportunity to agree with God's truth and God's word over and over and over again. And that's what we're doing. And when I say we, I don't just mean you, Re and I, but every single one of you who is praying and believing along with us, we are establishing a realm in the earth that is going to prove, that is going to declare, that is going to legislate and execute and make tangible and touchable and interactable and real, even to unbelievers that the name of Jesus is above the name of cancer. Every decree has impact. Every prayer has impact. Every time we agree with God's word, it has impact. And I want to encourage you to start stepping out in your life, whether it's situations in your body or in your family or in your city or in this nation. Anything that does not align with God's word, decree the truth of God's word in faith. The substance of your faith helps establish it. The enemy is never winning. The enemy is not winning right now in this cancer battle, despite symptoms, despite reports. The enemy is not winning. He cannot be winning. He's already defeated, but he is the father of lies. He loves to lie to us. He loves to point to temporary circumstances and make us feel like, oh, no, he's winning. No, he's not winning. He is defeated in these battles. 
We are, are given the opportunity to agree with eternal truth over temporary circumstances. That actually works through the substance of our faith, which we've talked a lot about here on Heroes Arise. The substance of our faith works to establish what is already ours in the eternal realm, what Jesus has already won, what he has already done, what he has given us through the victory of the cross as we agree with it, the substance of our faith. Um, begins to establish that to a greater and greater measure here in the earth. So every single one of you praying in agreement with us that can't serve, can't stand, can't stay, can't win, that can't serve is defeated, that can't serve must bow to the name of Jesus Christ, must submit to the authority of blood of Jesus Christ. We're not only going to see this tumor disappear, we're not only going to see cancer come out of every cell of, of Uri's body, but we're going to see cancer defeated everywhere. So start looking for places in your life or in the news or in your family or in your city or in this nation or in the world that you know aren't lining up with the truth of God's word. God is giving us opportunities to exercise greater and greater measures of authority. And I know that we're going to see this happen. So right now, even I want to pray. I declare that cancer is defeated. Cancer can't stay, can't stay, can't win. And anybody watching this live, anybody watching this uh, later on on demand, I declare if there is a cancer cell in your body, it can't stay, it can't stand, it can't win, it must be removed, it must submit to the name of Jesus. Right now, I release the fire of God's love, the fire of God's truth, the fire from the sovereign majestic throne of our victorious Lord in heaven into the earth through the substance of my faith to come into your body and burn up and destroy every single cancer cell. I command every cancer cell in any and every body watching this to be removed. I say grace, grace, grace by all that Jesus has done, by all that Jesus has won. We come into agreement with it. By faith, we access all that he's given us through his grace, including that you are healed by his stripes. Cancer be removed, bodies be healed in Jesus' name and to his everlasting fame. Amen, amen, amen. Whew. The other quick announcement I have for you is the one we always talk about. Be sure wherever you're watching this to like and share the videos. Um, um, we're, we're looking to increase our reach in this season. We know when the enemy comes against us, there's promotion coming. You are our marketing department. The more you like and share these videos, um, the more heroes we can reach, the more heroes we can equip, encourage, and empower. Um, so if you're watching on Facebook, like, share, uh, all that stuff. If you're listening on our podcast, if you're listening on the Apple podcast platform or the Google podcast platform, platform or the Spotify podcast platform or and whatever platform you're listening on to our podcast, please give it a five-star review. Say something uh, great about it. That helps activate some algorithms that makes more people see it, gets it out there. We're in a season where God wants to raise up heroes, heroes like you and heroes you can help encourage by sharing these shows, these videos with people. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Um, uh, like the videos, share the videos, all of that. Thank you so very much. All right, let's get into this week's topic, following God into revival. You guys know what's going on in our family. We just talked about a little bit. You know that we are on this journey with God. We know where this journey uh, leads, no matter what any given moment or any given day is about. We know where the journey leads. It leads to total health, healing, and recovery. And that's what our eyes are set on. We know that. But on days, there are symptoms. On days, there is pain. There's discomfort. There's challenges. And we know we are perfectly positioned for a revival in Yuri's body. We know that we are perfectly positioned for a revival in our finances. As you know, as anybody who goes through these medical challenges, there are financial things that come with it. We praise God every single day for the resources we had going into this. We know he is faithful. We know he will meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. We're actually expecting to come out of this more blessed than we went into it because that's how the kingdom works when we 
operate in faith that makes no sense in the natural, but that's what I'm personally believing for. What does that mean? It means right now we are perfectly positioned for a, a, a revival in our finances, that we are able in, in faith, we are able to let God lead us step by step into revival of financials uh, of our finances. That's what we are perfectly positioned for. We are perfectly positioned for God to lead Yuri into a revival of health and strength. That's what we're perfectly positioned for. That's what he's given us. And he's going to lead us step by step into that. I can look at the state of Arizona right now where we live, where I'm in my home office doing this broadcast from my home office. Or when you see me in the Heroes Arise Global Studios, that's in Maricopa, Arizona. And we live in Arizona. We have territory in Arizona. We are part of God's solution in Arizona. And right now, our state is going through something pretty epic. We're in the midst of a recount effort um, to try to uh, expose and reverse any voter fraud in the 2020 election. And there's all sorts of stuff going on. I only know a fraction because most of my attention is on other things um, that my attention needs to be on right now. But I do pay a little attention to the news, even in this season. And one of the things that happened is one side tried to stop the recount that the other side is initiating. But hey, what does all this mean? If there's been fraud, if there's been treachery, if there's been schemes and scams, let's say the election was stolen. What is that mean? That means we are perfectly positioned for a revival of righteousness. We're perfectly positioned for a revival of truth. Look at our nation. Look at how divided we are. Look at all that's going on. Look at the incredibly wicked and ungodly and unrighteous policies that are being put in place or tried to put in place by this current administration. Look at the faults on both sides of the aisle. Not, let's not make this about one administration or one party or the other. Let's, let's look at the systems of man. They're failing us left, right, and sideways. Our education system, our government, our media, um, our schools, they are in perfect position for revival. We desperately need God to move. If we've seen nothing else, we've seen that the systems of man are failing us. I don't care who your favorite politician is. I don't care what good works they've done. It's not enough because look at where we are. We need revival. We desperately need God to move in this nation. We desperately need God to move in our state. We desperately need God to move in this world. We desperately need God to move in our bodies and our souls. What does that mean? It means we're perfectly positioned for revival, desperately needing God to move in any or every area means we are perfectly positioned for revival and miracles. Think of this. Think of Israel in the desert. In the natural, the desert is a place of, of, of lack, of uh, lack of supplies, lack of water, lack of comfort. In the natural, um, when we're in the desert, we live here in the desert. We live in the Sonoran Desert. If I wandered out into the desert today and I had no provisions of any kind, if I didn't have water, if I didn't have food, if I didn't have shelter, I would be in serious trouble, probably in a matter of hours, but definitely in a matter of days. Well, Israel was being led by God across the desert into the promised land. Why? Why didn't God just bring them into the promised land? Well, we've talked about this, and we talked about it a bunch in our last series, um, about three battles every overcomer will face. There is a purpose to God's process. There is a, there is a blessing in the promise. There is a blessing in the process he designs to bring us into the promise. It's not a test, so we earn the promise. We can't earn the promise. Jesus earned the promise. We receive the promise totally by grace, accessing it in faith, accessing it by faith by, through the grace of God. But there is a process that God allows us to go through to come into the promise so that we can inhabit the promise. It's not a test to earn it. It's an opportunity to walk with God to learn to completely, utterly, and totally rely on him. That's what deserts are all about. Israel was completely, totally, and utterly dependent on God in the desert. They needed him to guide them. They needed him to provide for them. They needed him to protect them. If he didn't show up, if God didn't show up for Israel in the desert, each and every moment of each and every day, they were done for. They would have died of thirst. They would have died of starvation. They would have died of exposure. It was a desert. 
Deserts by nature are these places. I'm sure they serve their purposes. God designed it, so I'm sure they serve a purpose. But one of those purposes, I think, is the very fact that in the natural, they are a place mostly of lack, a place where it's very difficult to survive in the natural. So those are the, I believe the reason God blessed Israel with this journey through the desert on the way to the promised land is so that they would A, learn to totally rely on God, but B, learn that God was totally reliable. God did show up for them every single step of the way. God did show up for them each and every moment of each and every day. God did amazing things for them. In the, we tend to think of desert seasons or wilderness seasons as this difficult, ugh thing. Like, have you ever heard somebody come up to you and go, oh, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm in a wilderness season. It's awesome. I'm in a desert season. It's so great. No, usually when people talk about wilderness and desert seasons, it's like, oh, I'm in a wilderness season. Oh, I'm in a desert season. It's tough. We tend to think of deserts and wilderness seasons as dry and barren. We tend to think of these times of as these ugh times, these difficult times, but that's only in the natural. And it's only if we're walking alone. The desert, the Sonoran Desert, if I wandered out into it right now, it's only a place of difficulty in the natural. It's only a place of lack in the natural. It's only a place of, uh, of ugh, of danger, of lack, if I'm walking alone, if I'm not walking with God, what we see in Exodus is when you are not walking alone, when you are not walking led by the flesh, but led by God step by step by step, desert seasons are actually seasons of incredible supernatural revival atmospheres. What the Israelites had in the desert every single day, to my mind, is the greatest revival atmosphere that has ever existed en masse in the earth. Now, obviously, when Jesus walked the earth, everywhere he went was in revival. Everywhere he went, miracles broke out, signs and wonders broke out. Jesus was revival. Jesus is revival. And he manifested that everywhere he went to every person that he walked along with. But what I want you to get is when Israel was in the desert in Exodus, the entire nation was in the greatest revival atmosphere that's ever been seen anywhere in the earth. All day, every day, all night, every night, the physical, tangible, seeable, um, 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 uh, 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 for all we know, smellable, touchable, encounterable, presence of God is manifest cloud by day, fire by night. Imagine that in the United States of America. I know we have many overseas viewers, so imagine that in your nation. Imagine that in Washington, D.C. right now, instead of, of um, the Washington Monument, instead of the Lincoln Memorial, instead of the Capitol building, what if there was the cloud of God by day, the, 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 the cloud of fire by night, the pillar of fire of God's presence by night, and every single time we looked outside, or what if it's in every single city? What if it's in every single neighborhood? What if it was on every single street? What if it was out in front of every single house? That's pretty much the equivalent of what the Israelites had in the desert. All day, every day, the tangible manifest presence of God. We get excited, and we should, when in our Shiloh Fellowship meetings, we can feel the presence of God. And it happens a lot. They're wonderful services, and you can feel the presence of God frequently in our services. And we're so grateful for that. And we rejoice in that. And we celebrate God, and we give God glory, and we give God honor, and we give God praise. And we should. Now, what if everywhere we went, we saw an even greater manifestation of God? What if outside of the Walmart, there was a cloud by day, fire by night? So every single person, no matter where they are in their faith in this nation, saw that. So even the most unbelieving people couldn't help but say, well, there's definitely something going on there. And all of us believers could always point to that and say, look, God loves you so much. He's manifesting his presence to you. They had that every single and every, every single day, every single moment, every single night in a desert season. 
They also, every single morning, had manna. Manna appeared. The provision of God, the supernatural nutrition and nourishment and provision of God physically showed up every single day. They had water come forth from a rock when they needed. This was the most amazing revival atmosphere that's ever been seen in mass in the earth in history. So we've got to change our thinking about desert and wilderness seasons. In the natural, deserts are difficult. If we're walking by ourselves, relying on ourselves, deserts are difficult. They're deadly. They're dangerous. But if we are walking with God, if we shift our focus from natural thinking to supernatural thinking, all of a sudden, wilderness seasons, desert seasons become these, these seasons when we become aware we are completely, utterly, and totally dependent on God. But when that's not an ug, but it's a wow of faith-filled expectation, then wilderness seasons, desert seasons become this setup, this perfect position for incredible revival atmospheres, for God to lead us step by step, yes, into the promises, but how did he lead them to the promised land? Through a great revival atmosphere. And I'm believing that revival isn't a place we're going to get to. Revival is an atmosphere God is asking us to co-labor with him, to believe for in a desert season, in a wilderness season, in some of our lives, yes, in some of our cities, yes, in some of our nations, yes, in this world, absolutely, we're in a desert season. You could look to mine and Yuri's life right now. We could say we're in a desert season. In the natural, there is a desert. There is a dearth. There is a lack of life and health and strength. In the natural, that's a scary thing. But we're not living in the natural. And if we're walking alone, it's a scary thing. But we're not walking alone. God is right there. So whatever it was, six weeks ago when we got the, the scary news about the big tumor, we had a moment where we were definitely rocked by it. But then all of a sudden we realized in the natural, everything has changed. The way we go about our days has changed. Um, um, the way we're thinking has changed. My schedule changed drastically. Her schedule changed drastically. Our focuses in many ways changed drastically. Everything changed, but one thing, God didn't change. God's word didn't change. God's promises didn't change. So we had to shift from this is scary. This is big. Uh-oh. Ugh. To wait. This is a desert, and deserts are scary and dangerous if we're walking in the natural and we're on our own, but we're not going to walk in the natural. We're going to walk in the supernatural, and we're definitely not on our own. God is right there with us, and we're already seeing every single day testimonies of the goodness of God. Even in the really bad days, when we rally prayer, we see things eventually shift and change from intense pain and discomfort to God showing up, and there's relief, God showing up, and there's shift, there's change. We know that in the natural, we're in a desert of life and health and strength, but we're not walking in the natural and we're not walking alone. We are walking in the supernatural because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of the torn veil of his flesh, because of the finished work of the cross, because of the victory of the empty tomb. And we are definitely not walking alone. God is with us. So we are expecting a complete and total revival atmosphere as God leads us into the full fulfillment and full manifestation of his promise that by his stripes she is healed. We could say the same thing about Arizona. We could say the same thing about the USA or the world right now. We're in a desert season. There is a desert. There is a dearth. There is an incredible lack of righteousness, of, of holiness, of fear of the Lord, of reverence for God and his will and his ways. Now, in the natural, that can be frustrating. That can be irritating. That can be a scary thing, considering the wicked policies that are uh, being put in place or are trying to be put in place. Place and the anti-God, anti-church, anti-life agenda that's trying to be established more and more every single day in churches, in schools, in media, in you name it. So in the natural, we're in a desert. But that's only really scary if we walk according to our might and power and we walk alone. 
if we walk in the natural, it's scary. But God is saying to us, you don't need to walk in the natural. You're not alone. I'm right here. And he wants to remind us that desert seasons, when we walk with him, according to eternal truth, expecting the supernatural reality of him and his kingdom. Now, these desert seasons, all they're doing is highlighting that we desperately need God. I remember years ago when I was going through my 12-year health challenge, and some of you have been longtime listeners and viewers have heard that story. I won't share the whole thing right now, but for 12 years, I went through a series of very mysterious and increasingly challenging and even debilitating health challenges. And I don't remember exactly where it was in that journey, but I remember one day, weak, falling to the ground on my face and saying, God, and not falling to the ground out of reverence. I fell to the ground out of weakness, out of sickness, out of, out of, it was very challenging. But as I was on the ground, I remember as my face hit the floor, as, as, as I hit the floor and then I put my face down to the ground, I said, Lord, weak, shaking voice, Lord, I desperately need you. I was in a desert of health and strength and life. And in that moment, I felt scared. I felt like we usually do about uh, wilderness and desert seasons. And I cried out, not even in great faith, but sort of in, in, in despair, really, in desperation. God, I desperately need you. In an instant, the Lord spoke to me almost audibly. It was so clear. It was an internal voice, but it was almost audible. It was so clear. And he said with the most upbeat voice, well, aren't you glad you have me? And there was a pause. And he said, and aren't you glad I have you? And all of a sudden that shifted everything. I was like, oh my gosh, I desperately need you. So I am so grateful that I have you. I'm so grateful that you have me. Now, everything didn't shift like that in that moment. I didn't spring off the ground, you know, like Clark Kent coming out of the, the phone booth and turn into Superman. But what shifted immediately was my mindset was like, wait, I desperately need God. That's not because he's not here. I'm not crying out to a God who's far away and distant or absent. I'm crying out to God in my weakest moment because I know he's there and he's reminding me that he's there. I'm not alone in this. I'm not, I can't walk this out naturally, but I don't need to. God is a supernatural God. That's where we are in our nation right now. That's where we are in the world right now. Don't let the devil convince you that he's winning. The, the, the devil is not winning in the USA or in this world. What is going on is God is allowing us to see that we are in a desert season a wilderness season. We're in a desert of, like we talked about, righteousness, holiness, reverence, and fear of the Lord, uh, 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 a, a, a desert of desiring God's will and ways. But we as a remnant are enough with him. Because why? Because we know we need our nation, our nations, our world desperately needs God, which means we are already positioning ourselves as dominion stewards in the earth, not just for us, not just for us as the remnant, not just for us as the church, but for our nations, our world, the lost. We are positioning ourselves shifting our thinking to say, okay, we're in a desert season. What that means is we are aware we desperately need God. And we are aware that we can't do this in our own strength. Where we are right now proves it, but we don't have to do it in our own strength. We can start to look to and expect God is right there. God cares. God is, is manifesting. And that now we are thinking shifts from desert season UG to desert season, a revival atmosphere that will lead us into the promises of God. Desert and wilderness seasons show our total need for and dependency on God. That's a good thing because it's important in these seasons that we are reminded that God is faithful, God is trustworthy, and God does not fail. Desert seasons are a lot like the law of the Old Testament. They point out, we need a Savior. We need a God who cares and will move on our behalf. And that's good news, because then we shift to, well, we have one. God is here. God's not mad at us. God's not mad at the USA. He may not like a lot of what's going on in our nation, but he wants us as the remnant, just like Israel in the desert, to walk with him step by step, knowing that he's there, 
knowing that he protects and provides, knowing that this desert season is simply making us aware how desperately we need God so we can partner with him for a revival atmosphere that he leads us step by step into the promises for our lives, for our bloodlines, for our cities, for our nations, and for the world. So with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to share with you six keys on how we can follow God step by step into revival, how we can cooperate with God in desert wilderness times that we're all in right now, whether it's personally, whether it's a, a health desert, financial desert, relationship desert, prodigal desert, wherever right now it looks like there's lack of any kind or danger of any kind or, or a, a dearth of, of God's provision, protection, guidance, uh, abundance, plenty, wherever it looks like there's a lack of that, God has given us strategies on how we personally and then as a remnant on behalf of our cities, nations, and world can cooperate operate with him, follow him step by step for this revival atmosphere that is his desire, the supernatural revival atmosphere that's his desire for every single desert season where it shows he's there, he cares, that he protects, he provides, he guides, he guards, he directs so that we can then see our cities, our nations, our world, our bodies, our finances, our families come into the fullness of God's promises. So let's start, let's kick this off um, with key number one to following God into revival. Number one is repent. This is something we've heard a lot about through 2020 as we were praying into the election. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways, will repent and pray and you know fall on their faces and turn to me, I will hear from heaven, I will respond and I will come and heal the land. But it's all about us repenting. You know, we, we, we shouldn't be shocked that many of the politicians in the USA on both sides of the aisle that are cooperating on really wicked, ungodly policies and wicked, ungodly agendas, we shouldn't be surprised they're not repenting. God didn't say if the wicked politicians turn from their wicked ways. He said, if my people. So repenting is the first step. And here's one of the major things we need to repent of. And I know there's a reason God gave me this word. I needed it too. One of the first things we have to repent of is how we look at desert and wilderness seasons. Because what does repent mean? It means turn from, but you can also break it down to change the way you think about and then turn from any situation. There's a reason when Jesus came into the earth, the very first thing he started his earthly ministry with, once he came out of the, 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 the testing season where he went from being filled with the spirit to walking in the power of the spirit, that whole God-ordained 40-day desert situation, Jesus comes out of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes, into it filled he comes out in the power you see it clearly in luke 3 and luke 4 but when he comes out of that we see in matthew 3 verses 16 through 17 oh sorry i'm in the wrong verse there um that that was about uh, um desert seasons we see in matthew i think it's verse uh four but we can see it in mark 1 14 through 15 that's what i have in my notes jesus went into galilee jesus went into galilee where he preached god's good news the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Repent for the kingdom of God is near, is how most translations put it. What was he saying? He wasn't saying, hang your head in shame, you filthy sinners. You know, guilt, shame, and condemnation. And if you're lucky, I will respond to you. You know, he's saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is right here for you now. So the way you've done things, the way you've thought about things, here's an opportunity to change all that. Change the way you think about things because the kingdom of heaven is here and it's for you. And I've done everything to bring you into it. First of all, change to think you're on your own. You're not. Change the way you think about how to get what you need because you don't have to scheme or scam for it. You don't have to strive. There's plenty for everybody and it's all in me. Change the way you're thinking about things and let it begin with knowing this. You're incredibly loved. You're incredibly valued. You're incredibly cared for. You're incredibly provided for. It's all through me. 
the kingdom of heaven. So turn from the wicked ways of the flesh, of the striving, of the scheming and scamming. Stop being a Jacob, become an Israel. Stop walking on your own and trying to make your own way because look at what it's born with the fruit that it's born and turn to me and now walk with me and be my beloved and, and be my favored child and let me do everything for you. You've tried to do yourself and I've got a better way for you. It's the kingdom way. It's my way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Turn from where you've been. Turn from how you've thought about things and turn to me. That's what he's saying. And so in these desert seasons that we're in, that we're talking about, the first thing we need to do is repent. Repent of any wickedness. Absolutely. Not because God shall smite thee, but because any wickedness in our life, any sin in our life is us believing a lie of Satan and us trying to um, um, fulfill usually a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Those are the biggest traps of the enemy when he tries to get us to fulfill a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. Or we're just giving place to wickedness because we think we got to step over somebody else to get ours or fill in the blank. But the we yes, we have to turn from those things. Why? Because God wants us to walk with him. Because when we're sinning, we're walking according to the carnal flesh. We're walking according to the natural. And as we've talked about, desert seasons are dangerous when you're walking by yourself in the natural. And Jesus says, hey, repent. Turn from that way of thinking. Turn from that way of doing things. I love you. I've got a better way for you. But you can't have one foot in the world and one foot out of the world. Take your, take your Stop walking by yourself according to the flesh in the natural. Turn to me. And this will become a season of revival. So the first thing we have to do is repent. We turn from our wicked ways. Return away from sin and turn to God. The next thing we need to do is we need to learn from Israel in the desert. What did God do? He led them step by step. We in, in wilderness seasons, we turn to God, repent, so we can follow God and we need to follow where he leads. And this means step by step. It's what the Israelites did. They were led step by step. You know, oftentimes they just get the tent set up and, and everything would be probably comfortable and everything just the way they liked it. And they're probably getting into a bit of a rhythm. And then all of a sudden the cloud moved and they needed to follow God. If they didn't follow God, that cloud by day, that fire by night, that manna every morning, it was moving on. We need to follow God where he leads each and every moment of each and every day. Now, none of us would be perfect in this. You know, I, 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 can, I cannot even come close to telling you that every moment of every day, my thoughts are fixed on God and they never stray from him. No, but what happens when I realize that my thoughts have strayed from him when I've gotten focused on a difficult situation. And if I've gotten into fear or frustration or doubt, what do I do? I repent. And I'm not even talking about, well, I guess it is. Sin. I was going to say, I'm not even talking about sinning, but if I give into fear, I'm not in faith and anything that is not as faith is sin. So it's not a hang your head in shame. Oh, you got into frustration. You got into fear. Um, um, you're a sinner. No, it's, Hey, I realize I have been in a place that isn't faith. There's no, there's, there's no faith in fear. If I'm in fear or frustration, or if I get angry about something, that's all rooted in fear. You know, I'm afraid that God's not there. I'm afraid God won't come through. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but I need to repent. I need to turn away from that and turn back to God. Why? So now I can hear him. Now I can see him, feel him. Now I can read in his word and he can lead me step by step. But following God where he leads also means we recognize and respect his ways, especially when it's hard. Um, you know, it also means we respect his timing, even when it's confusing. And who of us can't relate to that, where we we're following God, we have God's promises, we're excited about God's promises, we're going step by step. And all of a sudden, we get into that place of this sure seems to be taking longer than I thought it should. This sure seems to be um, 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 not coming about the way I thought it would. 
Um, I don't know. And I mean, the great example we have of that is Abram and Sarai. You know, here's Abram lamenting, oh, I'll never have a real heir. That's what I want more than anything. And God shows up and gives him this incredible promise in Genesis 15. You will have an heir. You will have a son and it will come through your wife. I know it's impossible, but I'm God of the impossible. And Abram rejoices and Sarai goes through her process and she rejoices. And they say, yes, let's believe God. Let's do this. Let's walk this out step by step. But then there came a day when it didn't seem to be coming about or it didn't come about according to the timing that they thought it would. And this is what um, um, it says in Genesis 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Has he? Has he really? But see, what happens is we believe the promise, we're walking with God, and all of a sudden, it doesn't seem to be happening. The timing doesn't seem to be coming about. And now Sarai has gone from, yay, God of the impossible is going to do something impossible and give us children. And who knows how many times Abram and Sarai laid together in faith. But now Sarai is saying, God must be preventing me from having children because it hasn't come about yet. No, God is the one that's going to the supernatural to supernaturally empower you. Her womb was a desert, right? Her womb was, was barren because of her age. But what is a desert? When we're in the natural, on our own, it's a place of danger, it's a place of lack. But when we realize we're not on our own, God is there, God cares. When we're walking with God and we're walking in the supernatural, it's a revival atmosphere. And God wanted her to believe for that. She's now shifted to, it's not happening. She's no longer following him. She's following her own train of thinking. And she says, now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, perhaps... I will obtain children through her. So now she's not following God. Now she's not following God's ways when it's challenging. Now she's not following God's timing when it's difficult or confusing. Now she's following her own train of thought. Hey, perhaps we can give God a little help. Perhaps we can nudge this thing along. Perhaps if you go and lay with my handmaid, she'll get pregnant and then we'll have a child that way. But this isn't all on Sarai. Listen to the next thing that said in Genesis 16 too. So she says, please go into my maid. Perhaps I will obtain children through her. And then it says, and Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. That's huge. So Abram is not following God. He's not following God's will. He's not following God's ways. He's not following God's promise. He's not following God's voice. He listened to Sarai's voice. And let's get real. He might have been following his flesh a little bit. Like, seriously? You want me to go and lay in? Okay. No. When, especially when the timing seems like it's not happening, or especially when it's hard, or especially when it's confusing, that's when it's key that we double down and we follow God, his ways, his will. We follow God. It's especially important in desert seasons when it doesn't look like the promise is coming about that we don't walk on our own according to our own thinking, our own flesh. I'm not saying don't turn your mind off. God gave you your mind. He doesn't want unthinking robots. He wants people who choose again and again and again to trust his will, to trust his way, to trust his word. And that's how we walk with God in the desert. And what's difficult in the natural becomes a revival atmosphere supernaturally. So look at the example of Jesus. So Abram and Sarai, they believe the promise, they grab hold of the promise, they walk with God on the way to the promise until it gets challenging, difficult, or confusing, and then they stop walking with God, and they go from the supernatural into the natural, and they come up with their own way. And what do we get? Literally, Ishmael was born, and literally they birthed an Ishmael. So it's such a big problem we're still dealing with today that it's a Christian expression of birthing Ishmaels, creating problems by getting outside of God's will and ways. Compare that to what Jesus does in Matthew 26, 39, when things, when Jesus 
the son of God became the son of man. So every son of man could become a son of God. Jesus manifested, God manifested as a man in the earth on our behalf, which means he did everything, not only for us, but as us, yes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but still as a man having to choose to cooperate with that power in an earthly body, a human body on our behalf. And there were times things were very, very challenging. There were times as he followed his father into the promise, the full manifestation of the promise he came for when things were difficult, when things were challenging, when things were confusing. As opposed to Abram and Sarai, he doubled down on following his father. This is what it says. And he, meaning Jesus, went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. So here's Jesus saying things are getting challenging. Things are getting difficult. Things are getting confusing. God, my flesh is crying out for me to run or to do something else, but I shall not, Father, your will, not mine, be done. He is following his father step by step. Talk about a desert atmosphere. The whole world was given over to sin, wickedness, unrighteousness, and death, a complete desert. But he follows his father step by step, knowing he walks in a revival atmosphere because he is revival. His father is revival. Revival is living in him. He becomes revival, but he follows follows step by step in a revival atmosphere, always according to the leading of his father under the full fulfillment of his promise. All right, you know what? We're going to do this in two-part series because I know we need to wrap up pretty soon. So let me give you one more key and then we'll come back next week and do part two and I'll give you the other three keys. So key number three, we've already touched on this, but it's huge. Key number three is know that God's there and that he cares. This is huge. When we look in the book of Exodus, as we look as Israel following God step by step across the, across the desert so that a naturally difficult situation became a revival atmosphere that leads into the fulfillment of all of God's promises. One of the ways they would get in trouble is when they would not trust that God was there and that he cared, you know, like when God brought them out of uh, bondage and that there they were at the Red Sea and they could see the enemy. They start murmuring, complaining about Moses. They start murmuring, complaining to God. They're like, why did you bring us out here to die? They didn't turn to God and say, thank you, God, that you've got this. We trust that you're there. We trust that you care. They murmured and complained. Now look at Moses all through the desert, even especially when Moses was having a difficult time. Like, remember, I think it's Exodus 33, where he goes to God and says, these people are driving me crazy, Lord. They're a stiff necked, difficult people. Show me your glory. Go with me as I walk up out of this place. If you don't go with me, I don't even want to go. He, what is he doing? He's turning to God. He knows God's there. He knows God cares. So he's turning to God saying, show me your ways, God, so I may know you even more fully. Help me walk from this place. I am at my limit, but I know you're not at your limit, God. So I'm turning to you. I know you're there. I know you care. I know I'm not caring about these stiff necked people right now. So I'm turning to you because I know you care about them. Help God. That's beautiful. Moses was so certain that God was there and that God cares that we see that he actually made a custom out of going outside the camp and meeting with God face to face like a man meets with a friend. So he makes a custom out of meeting with God. Why? Because he knows God's there. But he also does it like a man meeting with his friend. Why? What do friends know? Friends know that their friends care about them. I have, Uri and I are blessed with wonderful friends, and we know that they're there for us in this season, but not only that they're there, but that they care, and when we need to, we, we had a really serious situation on uh, Saturday, and I have a handful of people that I'll reach out to. I know they're busy. I know they have their own prayer needs. I don't want to be a bother, but I also know in a time when things get really serious, I can reach out to these people and say, please, prayer. This is what's going on. It's really serious. Um, we know God's there. We know he cares. I know you're there. I know you care. I'm asking you to have a moment to please pray. And they did. And after a few hours, we saw a shift. Praise God. Um, but why did I reach out to them? Because I know they're there. And why did I ask for a favor of, of uh, focused and intense prayer? Because I know they care. And this is what Moses was doing. He made a custom out of meeting with God each and every day, getting outside of the busyness of the camp, getting outside of the murmuring, complaining of the camp, and knowing God was there and knowing he cares, he would meet with them. It's important to remember 
in our challenging times that God is there and that he cares, especially in the midst of wrestles, confusions, delays, and bad news. That's why I love when Moses goes to God, even if he's complaining about the people, he's turning to God and saying, I need you. I desperately need you in this situation. And God's saying, you got me and I got you. So he's looking to God to lead him step by step. Now, here's the thing. One of the things that can be challenging is we look at these Bible examples, and you could say to me, sure, Robert, I get it. But Moses also saw the cloud by day, the fire by night. Moses is also seeing the manna of God every single day. Every single day, Moses had evidence that God was there and that he cares. I don't have that. I've been in a battle for so long. I have had, you know, financial statements declaring this for so long. I've had these health reports declaring this for so long. But here's one of the things that we have to change our thinking about. I know what that's like. I went through a 12-year health battle. I've had some financial battles. I'm in the midst of a big battle right now. But especially when things are difficult, and especially when I've lost it. I had a, I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I kind of lost it. And But what did I do? I ended up falling on my face and saying, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent or giving place to fear, frustration, anger. Your word says that if I give place to anger, it gives a foothold to the enemy. I don't want the enemy anywhere in this situation. I turn to you. I repent. I repent. I repent. So in those times, when um, um, there's no evidence that God is there and that he cares in the natural. We may not have a cloud by day, fire by night. We might not have manna waffles um, or manna bacon showing up on our breakfast table every single morning, but we have the cross of Calvary, which is way better. At any moment, in any day, in any situation, in any confusion, in any difficult, in any moment that's trying to put fear or frustration or doubt or anger in our hearts or in our minds or in our choices and decisions, we can look to the cross of Calvary, which declares God is there. God cares. The cross of Calvary is a marker in time that declares to all people for all time in every situation, I am here, not just with you, but I am here for you. There is nothing I would not do to bring you breakthrough and victory. I will do it in my strength so you don't have to do it in yours. Look to the cross, look to the cross, look to the cross. The cross is not something we look at and hang our heads in shame because of the horrible cost Jesus had to pay for our sins. We should be aware of that, but that was not God's purpose for the cross. God's purpose for the cross was not for us to hang our heads in guilt, shame, and condemnations, realizing what filthy sinners that we are. The purpose of the cross is for us to look at and realize God loved us so much when we were filthy sinners that he saw so much worth and so much value in us. He wanted relationship with us so much when we wanted nothing to do with him that he gave the gift of his son, that he would and will do anything for you in any situation to bring you in to his promises. So we have something even better that declares that God is there and that he cares than a cloud by day, than fire by night, than manna every morning, than even from a miracle like water from the rock, we have the cross of Calvary. So there are the first three keys of how in desert seasons, desert times, wilderness difficulties, we can follow God step by step to create a revival atmosphere that will lead us in to the fullness of his promises. That's part number one. I'll come back with part number two and the three other keys. But as we close, I want to remind you of our first three keys. Number one, repent. Number two, follow where he leads. Follow where he leads. And number three, this one's so simple, but it's so profound. Know that he's there and know that he cares. Speaking of being there, thank you for being there with me this week. I always appreciate getting to talk with you and connect with you. There's a lot going on in our world. You are part of God's solution. He wants to make a huge difference through you. This week, we talked about the first three keys of how you can follow him step by step to create a revival atmosphere in and through your life to bring yourself, your family, your city, your nation, and this world into the promises of God. So until I see you next week, be wise, be discerning, be part of God's solution, be a hero. God loves you. And I'm so grateful for my connection with you. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family. 
We are praying for you as well. Don't forget to reach out. Thank you to all of you who have let Yuri and I know what you're going through. We're praying for you. We're contending for you. We're grateful that we're not in what we're going through alone. And we want you to know you're not in what you're going through alone. Post your prayer requests in the chat fields and comment sections, wherever you're watching this, whether it's on YouTube or Rumble or, or, or uh, uh, Facebook Live, or if you follow my Instagram feed or my parlor feed or my Zap It feed or my Gab feed, wherever you connect with me, share your prayer needs with me. We'll be praying for you. And I will see you here again soon for another Heroes Arise.